0: So I am, uh, I'm excited about every guest, but this guest I'm particularly pumped about. This is uh, Coach Joey Burton, uh, basketball skills coach. Uh, we both agreed, I mean, trainer just doesn't do the justice when it comes to this guy. I mean, he's been at the NCAA level, he's coached at Mississippi State, uh, works with youth all the way up to NBA players, and um, he's worked with uh, Glenn Robinson the III there at the Pacers, Yogi Ferrell at the Mavericks, uh, Evan Turner Portland Trailblazers, uh, you know and, and to just tons of players so thank you so much man for joining uh joining us here
1: it's my pleasure uh, we have been trying to connect for a while and i'm glad we're able to set a date and time and uh, get this interview
0: in absolutely man so obviously we're talking about mental toughness let's get into it what what is mental toughness when it means to you coach
1: uh you know mental toughness actually is something i've had to kind of come along uh to and learn more about uh I guess when I was uh, coming up, we never really talked about mental toughness. Uh, And a lot of times uh, it was viewed down upon if uh, someone would say, you know, we need to maybe train their mind. Uh, It was just always a thing of, oh, be tougher. or You know, you gotta work harder and uh, these things. But there's, you know, as I've studied it and uh, at Mississippi State, we actually brought a guy in opened my eyes to the importance of mental training just like you would train your body your mind needs to be trained and so from that point on i started to study more i started to look into it more and seeing how i could use uh, mental toughness uh the development in my uh in my build of uh, training or developing players and uh, help them make sure potential and so for me ultimately it boils down to being able to stay uh at the process that you have planned out or that you believe will get the long-term results. And it doesn't, uh, mental toughness is not getting too low when things aren't going away and it's not getting too high when you experience those victories uh, because uh, those are all part of the process. And when you're mentally tough, you're able to take the lows and the highs and uh, digest it, you you could say digest it into what it's gonna do for your long-term Results and what you ultimately want to achieve. So it's, uh, it's you know, it could be a lot of things this grit, um, this character, it could be um, uh, determination, perseverance, and uh, it's something that, that's important because uh, as I work with players and becoming more and more uh, uh, individual in my approach with basketball rather than uh, a team concept, mm-hmm. I've really gotten to see the ups and downs of what players have to go through. Uh, This uh, past uh, uh, training camp, uh, Glenn worked extremely hard this entire summer. Uh, We spent countless hours in the gym on top of what he was already doing that was uh, required by the Pacers uh, for this moment. Uh, Paul George was traded to Oklahoma City and this is an opportunity for him to really prove and cement himself in the league. And uh, within a week of training camp, He uh, has an ankle injury, he needs surgery, and he uh, just came back uh, a week ago, and that was a time that was very low for him, and that was a great, great way to display mental toughness for him, and to be able to use some mental toughness techniques and focusing on that long-term goal. What's the long-term goal? What's the long-term result that we want to achieve, and how can we respond to this low point to this obstacle to this you know adversity
0: yeah absolutely you know I, I like what you said there that's about never getting too high and then never getting too low and that, that consistency is you know obviously huge when it comes to like the it factor because I think you know you and our protein and agreement like mental toughness can be a couple of different things with different people I mean when we're faced with adversity how we respond when we're under pressure how do we do when it comes to that it factor, Um, When you hear that, what's something that you you kind of look for in players and if they have that that it factor?
1: I really look uh, at how they respond to adversity. Uh, You know, when it comes to basketball, uh, you know, when I work with a player, you know, I want them to feel comfortable making mistakes. It's amazing how many players don't want to make any mistakes, and I have to sometimes train them and remind them that mistakes are okay. And when mistakes start to happen, to see their frustration level. Uh, players that have that it factor understand that the mistake is a part of the process of developing the skill that is needed, and they don't get frustrated. They just keep going again and again until they can't get it wrong. Players that aren't with that if factor, don't have that mental toughness, will, will start to really show a lot of negative body language, might start to you know mumble under their breath and because they can't get it and that's a big thing in my workouts that i look for and i try and place players or athletes in a position to see that to see how they're going to respond to something that we're trying to add to their game that they don't currently have and uh that's that's a big impact is how they respond to adversity and, uh, if i go evaluate a player a player comes and um, ask me to come to their game and i go watch them i'm not looking know at what they do after they make a big shot i'm looking at what they do after they make a bad play that's a mistake uh an effort mistake and does that mistake lead to another mistake and then another mistake or do they play like i said earlier in the definition do they not get too high and not get too low and are able to play the game forward so uh, a big it factor really is for me is based upon how they respond to failure Um, not how many shots they make in a row not how many great uh, moves that they can make in a workout, not how many times they can go through a rep without making mistakes, but how they respond to a failure is really indicative to me on how they're gonna be able to grow and develop their
0: game. That's excellent. So so on that on that same note, Coach, so you know, one of the things that, I mean, obviously to go through adversity, to go through failure means that we're failing, we're messing up, we're, we're struggling. Nobody wants to go through that stuff. I mean, what, is, what is it that you've seen that's helped or differentiated players that deal better with the failure, deal better with the adversity? Was it something that happened like as a childhood? Did they overcome something when they were younger? Did they, I mean, what what is it that you've seen that that makes them better apt to handle that, uh, those failures and and being able to come back?
1: You know, it's funny. um, um, I had uh, some siblings that uh, worked uh, with me, both very good basketball players and Total, you know same upbringing and totally different approach to how they handled failure and one thing that really uh was the main difference is their focus and commitment on that long-term result what was their ultimate goal and what were they willing to do to achieve that long-term goal and uh that's a big thing uh players that are locked in and saying i'll do whatever it takes to achieve what i set out to achieve um uh, has, uh, has been the big difference for handling failure and it's just a part of the process. And so, like I said to a sibling, one of one's, uh uh, 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 brother, he wanted to be a Division one athlete and he was willing to do whatever it took and we spent hours and hours in the gym. Another uh, sibling was already a Division one athlete, pretty much just off the natural talent. And, uh, you know, when things got harder, you know, because it was so easy for her to be able to uh, achieve, it, uh, it became, you know, it became at times tough to, for adversity and to handle that failure that comes along the way. And so uh, I don't think it's upbringing. I don't think it's uh, socioeconomic factors. I don't think it's where you were born. You know, that might have a little bit of play in it, but I really think it's the same uh I mean, as always is your long term goal. What's the goal that you have in hand and what are you willing to do to achieve it.
0: Nice I like that. Yeah, that's good. Um and then it's always obvious to get back to your why, why is that your goal? And yeah. All those factors. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. You know, coach, one of the things that I'm always big about is I always believe in these hinge moments. That one person, that one shot, one game one decision that makes all the difference in our lives. We just don't know when that's coming. Can you share with us what's been a hinge moment that's happened in your life?
1: Um, yeah, a hinge moment is for me is uh, just moving up here from uh, Mississippi. I uh, was coaching college basketball. Head coach retires and uh, they bring in a new staff. So we're left without a job. And I really wanted to stay in college basketball, but not the right opportunities that I really wanted. Uh, presented themselves. Uh, I met a man up here by the name of Ed Schilling who now is an assistant coach at uh, IU and uh, he gave me an opportunity to come up here and uh, jump into skill development and before that I was always uh, always intrigued about helping players. I thought one of the things that I could do to show a player that I cared was to spend time with them before or after practice and pour into them as an individual. I feel like if they uh, saw that as a, when I was coaching and they saw that I was um, spending time with them and developing them that then I could ask more of them when that time came so I spent a lot of time uh, uh, working with them in, you know in, in the coaching realm well now I had an opportunity to really just do full-time skill development and uh, Ed Schilling is considered one of the best skill development coaches in the nation and get a lot of connections. And I felt like it was going to be an opportunity for me to learn, become better at skill development, you know, and ultimate awesome opportunity through uh, working for him. Maybe to get a job back in college. Uh, seven months after I came up here, uh, I came up here in the fall of two thousand and thirteen. Seven months later, Ed uh, had a great opportunity to uh, work for Steve Alford, uh, his really good friend for twenty five years at UCLA, and he took he took that and uh, he said you could continue to do. Uh, What I'm doing, and I had really no other options but to do that. And at that moment, that became my hinge moment because I uh, was able to start doing things on my own. I was able to start to really evaluate how things were done um, with whether you know with with that and what I've done in the past. And uh, we talk about failure and adversity. Uh, When I started to take over by myself. We uh, lost gym space. Uh, we were working out of uh, a field house in Fishers, Indiana mm-hmm. that, uh, that sold just about the same time that uh, Ed uh, left so the new ownership wanted to bring in somebody else to do their basketball development and uh, a church we were using uh, was going under construction. They needed to use a gym on our days that we were using it uh, for extra room and extra meeting space. So uh, a lot of my gym space in these prime areas started to uh, dissipate and I had to make it work. And I was, a, I was coaching high school basketball at Park Tudor High School here and I was able to maintain that gym and use that gym space. But uh, two factors happened that we with that is that it put me out of the prime area and a lot of people were coming because of Ed's reputation there, because of what Ed was able to do, which was terrific work. They didn't really know me. And so, uh, it slowly but surely kind of declined in in attendance. And so, I had to, you know, I was frustrated with very probably the lowest time of my life and I had to figure out what can I do to start making a name for myself in the local areas and uh, and and start to build this back up. And so, uh, it took a long time, but I started really focusing on shooting and teaching players how to shoot getting players to improve their shooting mechanics and uh, I just said that's what I'm going to become known for and uh, I kept working and I kept working and I kept working it took about two years before I really got a a higher level client Um, I kind of joke now I'm working with NBA players but five years ago I couldn't even get a high school player to come to the gym with me and so talking about mental toughness I had this long-term goal like I wanted to get back into college basketball coaching at the time um, I didn't have um, I didn't want to go back into maybe a corporate job or anything I, I love basketball I love impacting players and I just really buckled down and said whoever wants to work with me I'm gonna give them my best and that's what I did and uh, it just you know I was lucky to be at in a good high school program took one player that a lot of people uh Uh, thought that they weren't gonna, he's not gonna make it, he's not gonna be that individual player that he wants to be, and he couldn't shoot. That was the biggest fact. was a a guy by the name of Bryce Moore, and it's funny, he made three threes the sophomore, I mean he shot three threes the sophomore year, made one of them. We worked for his sophomore year all the way through uh, to his junior year, started his junior year, and we kept working throughout his junior year, and he had multiple games of three made threes. That season, um, and you know, topped it off with the state championship performance of going seven out of ten, and uh, it was really uh, rewarding to see that. And people started to see my work. And uh, then you talked about the Etheringtons uh, uh, earlier in our conversation, and uh, Austin was at Butler. And he was going through a shooting slump, and his mom I knew of Ed and knew of Champions Academy, and uh, she reached out to me and asked if I would go work with him. And I did, and I just kept working with them. He improved uh, some things that we worked on, and uh, that led to him referring me to other Butler players, and that uh, grew as well. And so, uh, as I kept getting this, you know, brand or building this brand as being able to fix a shot and help people become or players become better shooters, uh, it started to grow and it started to develop. But there was a uh, two two years there that I was really down and out and frustrated and, and questioning a lot of things, wondering, you know, uh, why why is this happening to me? And, uh, uh, you know, I got told no a lot. Um, uh, I wasn't good enough. And so now I'm in a position where I'm getting opportunities that I never would have dreamed of. And so the hinge moment ultimately for me is that uh, Ed Schilling had to leave for me to be able to find my gift and to find my specialty, I guess you could say, and I was uh shooting and skill development. And uh if Ed never left, I don't know if I would have ever found that gift. I would have been so quick to get back into college or get back into a bigger opportunity that Ed had a lot of connects I could help me with. Mm-hmm. Now miss that gift. I would have missed that. that specialty that I know I can serve others with. And uh that's my hinge moment that once Ed left, I thought for two years that How am I going to get to college? How am I going to ever be able to um, uh, get to my ultimate goal? But I never changed that ultimate goal. And so uh, with him leaving, it allowed me to uh, build my own brand and build uh, my own knowledge and develop my own philosophy. And now I have uh, college coaches calling me and asking me if I could work with their players. And so um, it's funny, I met more you know, college coaches in these last five years and even NBA coaches in these last five years. And I did, um, all together my five years at a a division one school.
0: Yeah. Um, I love that, man. Um, you know, coach, when I, when I hear that, I mean, you have this ultimate goal about what you want to do. You're going through, uh, difficult times in terms of your coaching but you, and I and I know you I mean you know in your heart of hearts you, you're kind of great at what you do but still I, I'm only assuming when that stuff happens like there's doubt that has got to go in the head what was it during that during that low period what was it that 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 happened um, you know where where you knew this is um, I'm I'm, I'm on
1: the right path. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. What 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 was it? Um, You know, it it really, uh, it was a number of things. Uh, I started, uh, um, you know, as I worked with higher level players, I started to really see the things that we worked on were translate and the things that uh, we were doing in, 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 I like to say, you know, without the lights being on, Mm -hmm. they were being used when the lights were on you know, some some very big stages, and uh, that really really solidified that like, I'm I'm doing the right things. I'm 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 working on the right things with these players. And what I had to do was take out the recognition part of it. I had to take out the the recognition of uh, who's going to notice what I'm doing. And all I had to uh, really remind myself is the players know. The players know. The media might not know. The media might report about something that the, a player did that. You know, I know we worked on it, but the player knows. And so I had to take out a lot of, uh, of this recognition um, of, of being a, in the skill development you know, sector. And so I tell a lot of young skill development coaches that if you're trying to get credit, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to have a hard time. because the media is not going to talk to you, coaches of the, the team usually aren't going to address you uh, through the media. So you you're going to be working in secret. You're going to be working in in, in, a, in a private setting for a long time, and you have to be okay with that. But when I saw the when I saw the work translate, you know, that's when I knew I, I had something special, and I was on the right track. And then uh, uh, I would say also just random people that um, I worked with or um, uh, people that were observing my work from the beginning mm-hmm. just would, would say, "You have a gift. You have a gift," you know. And so. Those types of moments were encouraging for me, and I started to realize, like, maybe I do have a gift, you know, and uh, the good thing about the position I'm in with, you know, players is, we could develop some really close bonds. Um, It's not where uh, there's like a favoritism because I got, you know, a team of 12 or something like that. So, um, just talking to some of the guys and, and, and talking after workouts and some of the things they said about, you know, the impact that I had on them, you know, this was all happening. You know you know two three years after the back of at and so that really encouraged me to say I'm on the right track I'm on the right track and another big thing that uh, uh, helped me was uh, you know the financial aspect was, was, was a big stress because sure. uh, of you know, I, I, it's not a full-time job, it's not in that, but I made it my full-time job. It's not a it's a eight to five, you know, you're not in the gym eight to five, you know, 12 months out of the year, you know, you're something you know, for about four or five months, you, you're lucky to be in the gym a few hours a day. And so uh, that was another thing. I never let, and this is where it comes back to the why, yes. I never let the finances define the impact that I was having. I never let the finances define me as a man of like well you know I'm not making this or I'm making this much and so now I must be on the right track and a lot of people think financially uh, if you're making the money that that is good that that you must be doing the right thing and if I'm not making money then I must be doing the wrong thing and, I, and we talked about being if, no, being even kill when the money wasn't flowing like I, I needed it to flow I didn't jump ship because oh, if this was working and if this was the right thing for me to do, I should be uh, experiencing prosperous times. And that's another thing more for uh, you know maybe not as much athletes, but people that are trying to pursue their goals. They you know they easily get caught up in if I'm doing it right and it's going the right way, I should be prosperous. Where in my life prosperity wasn't happening, but I was on the exact right path that I needed to be on in order to get to where I'm at today. And things are happening even in the last two weeks that uh, just continue to confirm I'm on the right path. The ultimate goal of college, you now I've been working with NBA players, I've had NBA guys say yeah you can make it at this level. The opportunity hasn't came up and I'm not really even looking to get that opportunity. All I've learned is to handle the process day by day and opportunities will continue to come at the right time and when they need to be uh, when they need to come and so uh, that's kind of the whole um, the whole gist of my hinge moment, and, you know, but it really started once, you know, just, uh, Ed Schilling who's a, a great coach. He, I learned so much in seven months. I learned more from him in seven months than I did from the coaches uh, previously, the coaches I played for. So it was an honor to be able to have that seven months with them, but with him leaving it allowed me to start developing my own philosophy and started to be able to
0: develop my own way yeah man that's such a fantastic line man i totally agree with that and it's always getting back to that process right and then just yeah trusting god with the rest
1: yeah exactly exactly
0: so in in all the lives that you've impacted in, in the coaching that you've done um what is it that if you could share one piece of information in terms of you know if there's a parent watching this or even a coach or an athlete or just, you know, everyday life. I mean, what is it that you think that somebody needs to do in order to build that mental health and
1: Um, I really think that, uh, like I said earlier, just uh, accepting failure, um, allowing it to happen, being OK that it does happen, and then evaluating how you respond to it. And that's that's the biggest uh, that's the biggest uh, thing uh, I just, uh, you know, see that happen so much, is that failure is going to happen. Unfortunately, with the kids I I train, the kids I work with, unfortunately, I see too many uh, parents try and keep them away from the failure or try and go forward in front of them. And how can I get them to stop or not, not experience this failure or not experience the hardship that I experienced. Uh, I don't know where that came from, but I feel like parenting today is where I don't want my kid to feel what I felt, and um, that would be a successful parent, and then that's, that, that's not the case. And so if for players to, I would say, accept failure, um, give your best, knowing that you've uh, you know, given your best. I like to say, surrender the result. Do everything you can to be successful at what you set out to do. And if it doesn't happen, you can look back and say, I gave it my all. Yeah. And um, That's how I look at my time at Mississippi State. I tried to you know, advance. It didn't happen, but it wasn't because I didn't give it my all. And I, and I was okay with it. I don't have any bitterness towards anything that happened there. And so, uh, for players, give it your all. You know, for parents, I would say, um, and, you know, for players, give it your all and accept failure. And it's okay. And, and, and respond to it in a way that produces... Uh, better results next time, but for play, I mean, for parents, just not trying to step in and, um, um, be a wall or a safety net or something that would, uh, limit your child's, uh, ability to experience uh, failures.
0: a lot of those parents, man, we call them snowplow parents, man. They try yeah. moving all that adversity out of the way. That's a great point. You know, I was um, when I was talking with Andre Agassi's coach, Gil Reyes, he said a line that I, I kind of never forget, I just thought it was great. He just said, some battles aren't worth fighting even if you win. I, yeah. I, I think of like, you know, a fight with my wife, that's going to lose. Yeah. And right. then he also right. said the other part was, some battles are worth fighting even if you lose. Sure. And, you know, when I think about your story and, and then anybody that's really following their passion there, Knowing that we did their best, it's it's worth it. Yes, yes, definitely. definitely. Um, coach, so how can uh, how can people get a hold of you? How can they follow you? Uh, just learn more about you.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, just uh, I have an Instagram page. I'm most active on that. Uh, coach Joey Burton, B-U-R-T-O-N, um, on Instagram. Uh, I post videos of workouts. Uh, I've been doing uh, shooting instructional videos on there as well, uh, breaking down shooting. Um, on Twitter, uh, it's just Joey Burton. Uh, those are my new two main avenues on, on on social media, and then uh, ChampionsAcademy.org uh, is uh, the, my website and uh, it has my contact information on there as well.
0: Nice. We'll put the link in there. Um, one last one last question: Is there a quote that you uh, that you like to share with uh, with the listeners? Hmm. I know I'm hitting you with left field, but it just kind of popped in my head.
1: Um, yeah, actually uh, my grandmother, I, I lived with her for 10 years of my life and uh, she always told me, uh, passion is the prerequisite to success. And, uh, I've found that to be true over the years that, uh, your passion will, will lead you to the success that you need if, uh, you truly love something and are committed to something.
0: It's nice, man. That's going to be the title of the podcast there, man. There we go. Thanks so there much, man. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Have a good one.